maybe I've got a bias in how I think about it, but I, I credit Sistema and the practice of Sistema with, with helping me get out of a funk that I've seen other people slip into. And yet on the flip side, it doesn't training Sistema doesn't make you immune to burnout. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Howie, how goes it this fine one? Uh, it's a good one. How are you? Yeah, must have grumbled. Not too bad, actually. Yeah, just uh, been through the walls a little bit lately. Had a lot of stuff going on with work and home and, you know, figuring stuff out and even like an injury that I've been getting over and that kind of stuff. But I'm feeling oddly reinvigorated today. I feel like, you know, I'm kind of facing into it and uh, uh, feeling like I'm, I'm ready to rock and roll. Mm, it's, uh, yeah, I've, I've, been, I've been going through some stuff as well. It's I wish I could say that I could just choose that attitude, like, to, <laughs> yeah. to like, yes, today I'm going to be invigorated. Yeah. And some some days, it's like, all right, well, I'm, you know, I'm here. Mm. Um, you know, I'm dri I'm driving the the uh, thirty thousand pounds of banana down the slick highway, mm. and I can't get out. The you know, mm. I can't stop the truck. Yeah. But I kind of wish I weren't here. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. And that's something. That's something I kind of want to look at a little bit today. Actually, it's just this idea of. Um, the patterns we get stuck in and how kind of being stressed out um, or ill at ease can lead to this feeling of like burnout um, and the fact that we're not going anywhere anywhere fast and we have this feeling of loss of meaning in what we're doing right and, and burnout I mean people usually use it in connection with work right and um, oh, this you know this industry has this percentage of burnout right I work with them uh, first responders sometimes and uh, and they can have a, a very high kind of turnover in terms of burnout right because it just takes its toll on you um, going through seeing what first responders have to see every day like some really really difficult things and, and there's a lot of research and there's a lot of attempts at interventions at trying to um, de reduce burnout right and in like corporate worlds people are like well we don't want burnout we don't want people to be dropping off after we invest all this money in training them or recruiting them or something like that so it's in a very mercenary way there's lots of efforts being put forward to like how do we decrease decrease this general thing of burnout as if it's like a, a disease that you can kind of medicate and then then you can fix it and then people will be more productive and give us more money or something like that right so i think it's often looked at in that way i'm i'm more interested in burnout as like a human concept right like how do we get there how do we avoid getting there? How do we come back from it if we're already kind of feeling the symptoms or already in that phase? Um, and what's Sistema got to do with any of it? Because for me, Sistema, so there's two aspects, right? One is that Sistema has helped me come back from the shadow of burnout several times, I think, um, over the last you know decade and a half, couple of decades, right? It really has brought me back from the brink of things. and. Maybe I've got a bias in how I think about it, but I, I credit Sistema and the practice of Sistema with, with helping me get out of a funk that I've seen other people slip into. And yet on the flip side, it doesn't training Sistema doesn't make you immune to burnout because I see people who train who get burned out even on training, right? Mm. They might get burned out in life and they drop off. And right now we're at the end of the summer when typically a lot of people drop off, right? So our numbers have dropped by, I don't know, at least 30%, something like that, where people drop off during the summer and sometimes they come back. That's not a symptom of burnout, but sometimes it is, right? Sometimes they've gone through a lot and they go on a holiday and they come back and they're like, you know what? I don't want to do this. I'm going to make a bunch of changes. I'm going to drop these hobbies. I'm going to stop doing these things. And if they're moving on to something else, like some other um, pastime or some other direction, 
then often I'm happy for them. Like I'm sad to see them go, but I'm like, that's good. You've got a new direction. But if they're just doing that and then playing video games and watching Netflix, do you yeah. know what I mean? Or something yeah. like that, then I'm like, I'm not sure that's the best choice for you because it's probably going to become a pattern that's going to go further down into more and more burnout and more and more kind of loss of meaning. Do you know what I mean? So what does it mean to you? Have you ever experienced burnout, do you feel? Um, and when did it happen? And, and what did it feel like to you? What did it mean to you? Mm. Yeah, I... I have, but I've, I haven't worked in like the kind of corporate settings mm. for a long time where it's just, you know, like a, a, a pollutant, <laughs> like everyone's yeah. like, you know, I mean, I, I know lots of people and I, and I work with lots of people who feel like my job is meaningless. Yeah. Like if I didn't need the money, I would quit tomorrow. Sure. Um, so I haven't, I haven't had that in a really long time. But you are an entrepreneur. You are like self-directed, self-employed, that kind of stuff. And the stats say that about 60% of entrepreneurs experience burnout or a loss of faith or a loss of a sense of loss of meaning in their work. Like they start, the only reason to become an entrepreneur, right? It's typically not just for the money. It's not like, I could make more money doing this than I can yeah. work for somebody else. It's usually because you're passionate about something and you're like, I could do this for a living, right? Yeah. It would probably be easier to work for somebody else with benefits and all the other things that brings, like and some partial security, right? But instead we throw ourselves into this crazy milieu of like risk of failure and you're looking for new jobs and you're technically unemployed as like every, once a month or something like that. once every couple of months right um and it's scary right but we've both both been doing this for upwards you've been doing it for 20 years i've been doing it for 15 right yeah. um and so i understand why when people start something up that they're passionate about if it doesn't turn out to be the way they thought it was going to be or it gets really hard you could you could see why it could flip them around and then them get burnt out on the thing that they're doing, right? You see yeah. people start dance studios, you know, like women who are like, I'm going to leave my corporate job and start a ballet studio. And then they hate it and it fails and it collapses, right? Or guys start martial arts studios or fitness studios. Same yeah. sort of kind of thing. Well, they thought it was the thing, but then they realized that they're passionate about it as a hobby. But when you have to do it as a living, like the day-to-day -day grind of it is terrible and they're not as passionate as they thought and they kind of drop yeah. off on that. Right? So. I think there's two things about that. One, one is it's easy to get burned out when your expectations are unreasonable. Okay. So if you think, okay, like here I am doing this thing and mm. I'm, I'm making a tenth of the money that my boss is making off mm. of me yeah. and I could do it myself or I just, want to, I just want to teach, you know, like it's like watching a TV show about a detective, mm -hmm. like, like the detective's life is, or a spy. Okay. It's like how interesting, how exciting that life is. And yeah. like, no, it's probably deadly yeah. boring most of the time. Everybody I've ever talked to who's intelligence, I mean, not that they tell you a lot about their work, but the thing that they always tell you about the work is that it's way more boring than you think. <laughs> Mostly it's data analysis and like small things and like, uh, you know, avoiding being seen, but not in a complex, lose them in a car chase type way. It's more than just like keep checking hotels, never put your phone down anywhere in case somebody swaps out the SIM card, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> it's a very boring attention to detail as most of a spy's life, I think. So. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, to think, to think that whatever thing you're you're just imagining like the peak moments mm. is going to be that all the time it's like oh i'd love to i'd love to work for a, a regional paper company because the office is such a you know a funny show mm. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. so you know for me like oh i'm going to go do this thing i'm going to go teach people this and then realize most of it mm. is admin and marketing sure and Paying taxes and doing bookkeeping. Sure. Yeah. Um, so to have you know to have the in an, an accurate inaccurate expectation of what it's going to be mm. can lead to burnout. But I think also there's people who love the hobby, but then once money gets involved, 
Mm. It kind of um, pollutes it for them. Taints everything. Yeah. Do, do you think it has to? Is like is the money? Does the money automatically lead to greed or different expectations, or is it just that when the money gets involved, they get more worried about the money than they do about the thing they're delivering, or they're forced to make decisions in order to make money that they wouldn't have made? Yeah, I'm sure it's all, all those things. For yeah. me, it's been so when money is tight, I start questioning. Uh, my motives mm. like oh I think this would be great for you Glenn I think you should pay me for this yeah like you know am I really doing it for you or am I doing it for me mm. um, as opposed to you know and like if it's you know something like you know doing martial arts yeah like you know there's a purity of just doing it knowing every day you're doing it because you're choosing it mm. as opposed to feeling like you've created the structure around you that's now your boss yeah like, gotcha you know, like today, oh, I have, look, I have to look at my calendar. Like, oh, my calendar has just told me I have to train so-and-so or I have sure. to show up for these classes. Yeah. Um, mm. So I don't know, but you mentioned a sort of lack of meaning. Yeah. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, well, I mean, I think in order to be happy in your work, or happy in what you're doing day-to-day, -day, you have to believe that it means something, right? If you... If you it, it's like kind of making, you know, I watch my three and six year old kids like all the time, right? And very often this situation plays out where Sean, the older, right, will build something really spectacular out of Lego and he'll spend a long time doing it and it will look great. And then Cora will come in and just Godzilla the crap out of it, right? Smash it all down. <laughs> and like the look at the feeling of loss that he has, like that was art. I made that, you know, that was that I put myself into this thing and there was so much effort involved in making it look just so and then smash it's gone. Like, so how sometimes he'll re rebuild it once, right? But he's never going to rebuild it three times. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You've only got to get your Lego tower smashed a couple of times before you're like, well, what's the point? Like every time I build something, every time I create something, somebody comes along and smashes it up or I put all this work into doing something and creating a new service or a new product or I put all this work into learning this musical instrument and nobody cares, right? Mm -hmm. Like that it's gone down. And you, you can only maybe take so many of those before you start to question whether or not there's any point in doing it and whether it might be easier to move on to something else. Now, granted, Sean's only six, Cora's only three, so they've you know, got the attention span that's pretty low. Um, but I think that's probably true of but, adults as well. You know, so. Well, have you read Dan Ariely's book, Payoff? I haven't. No, not yet. He, he, he cites these studies, exactly the same thing, where mm. people are be adults mm. are in a, in a laboratory setting are being paid to make paper airplanes. Yeah. And the more paper airplanes you make, the more you get paid. And there's the, the, like one of the conditions is you hand in your paper airplane and the, and the uh, experimenter crumbles it up, throws it in the garbage, and pays you. Okay. Uh. And it turns out that seeing your paper airplane destroyed, like what did they think was going to happen with these paper airplanes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, seeing, but you don't want to see it two seconds after you've handed it over. You want to maybe think that it will live for a day or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah, that it really depressed productivity. Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah, so that's kind of what I mean by loss of meaning. It's like a loss of... So the loss of productivity is not just the... Um, I think that's a symptom, right? Uh, I think that's a symptom of you losing a feeling of meaning in what you're doing in the first place, right? So you stop doing it because you don't feel like there's any point. So it's not the other way around. It's not like, oh, you stop producing as much and then you're like, eh, maybe I'll stop doing it or something, you know? Mm -hmm. So one comes before the other. Um, and I think you can see that not just in people's daily work, right? Just working in offices or um, as entrepreneurs or whatever it's gonna be, but you can also see it in the, in the 
in everything that people invest themselves in, right? Um, whether it's learning a language or learning a musical instrument or, um, you know, or even training Sistema, right? Showing up and training Sistema. Like for me, Sistema is a, a constant source of nourishment and it's a constant source of like exploration and freedom. And it's, um, Vladimir said it once before, it's like, it's, it's, Sistema is great because it's so vast um, and it keeps you young because you're constantly learning new things. You got, when you see old people that are still learning languages and still doing crosswords and still all this kind of thing about how to keep your brain young, playing brain games and things like that. Like Sistema is a never ending brain game that involves the entire body mm. right, and every aspect of your personality, right? So you're growing the entire time. Um, so that counteracts the general state of decay where things start to just solidify and ossify and go away, right? You're constantly growing these new connections. You're constantly building your body in different ways. Maybe not getting super strong and super muscly in a bodybuilding sense, but it's almost like mind building or like a spirit building. You know, it's like, it's mm -hmm. like the whole thing gets stronger and more complex and more elaborate and, and yet you cast off things that you don't need as well. So you simplify and you get bigger and you get stronger and all these kinds of things come together. So for me, it always represents that, but it doesn't for everybody, right? For some people, it represents another hobby that they do. Like it's, a, it's a, like a martial, any martial art or any sport. Like it's something that I do, I show up on one day a week and I'll do it for an hour and a half and I feel better. It's weird, I don't know why it makes me feel better, but I show up and people do things to me. And at the end of it, I feel nice and relaxed. And, and that's what they log it as in their brain. And then they show up next week because of that. Um, but if something's going on in their life that drags them down a little bit and they're feeling a bit tired, they might not turn to it in the same way and be like, what I need to do is go and do that, right? And the same thing could apply to going for a run, right? It might be that some people look at, you know, you run ultra marathons, right? Mm -hmm many people's idea of hell, right? Yeah. <laughs> many people's idea of just pain on legs, basically, right? I, well, I mine, wouldn't run that. Mine too. Yeah, right, exactly, right. <laughs> That's um, why I do it. But, but, but what do you get out of uh, ultra running that keeps you doing it? Why do you keep training? Why do you like run 10 miles a day just to keep yourself ticking over so that you can run 50 miles like once a month or something, right? What, why yeah. do you get up and put your shoes on and go out and do it? What, what does it give you? Why don't yeah. you get burned out with ultra running? Right. That's, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, like, you can get physically burned out with ultra running in a way that I think you probably can't with Sistema. Mm. In terms of like, you can, you can. Oh, you can if you try. You definitely can. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you try. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, there's, there's, yeah. you've got to put in miles. Yeah. Or like your body can just, you know, tell you, you know, take this month off. Mm -hmm. Like walk a lot, garden, do martial arts. Just do not, do not do miles. Okay. Yeah. Um, but in terms of you know, but those are very those can be very hard months spiritually. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I think it's, you know it's the same thing. It's this vast canvas that we get to test ourselves on. Mm. Um, so for you know every every run is could be the same or different. Yeah. Um, you know for me so for me like anything that I'm not burning out on mm. is is something where there's there's intrinsic value in the moment. So if I do Sistema and it's like, oh, I'm going to do this thing and then, you know, at the end of an hour and a half, I'm going to feel good. I'm going to be glad I did. Mm. Like glad I did mm. isn't the same as like totally immersed in glad the doing. Glad I'm doing, right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, for me, for in business, like there have been like, I have to do all this stuff so that yeah. I get some reward, whether it's sure. the money or the access or the accolades Mm. Um, and certainly, like, you know, coaching people back to health. Yeah. Like, a big part of buffering against burnout is hearing them be grateful. Yeah. And tell the stories. Mm. Uh, 
But even that isn't enough if in the moment, like in the moment of coaching someone, we come across some obstacle that had been hidden. Yeah. And, and, and they have an insight and then they go and act on it. Yeah. Like that's... That's why you do it. That's why I do it. Yeah. I mean, I, so I used to write books. I mean, I still do write books, but I used to write a lot of books, right? I've written like 20, 25 books for kids and... Um, about yeah, with, science. When, when you have no idea how many books you've written, you've written a lot of books. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of books. Um, but, um, and, and I enjoyed it. I, I think I enjoyed probably the first two thirds of them. I genuinely enjoyed writing about the first two thirds of them, right? I sat down, I enjoyed the creative challenge of just like, wow, I'm going to talk about astronomy or I'm going to talk about the human body. Like, where could I go with this that's not a textbook? You know, like, I don't have to do it the same way that textbooks do. I can go wherever I want and I can be irreverent. I can be sweary. I can have fun. And I had to, right? I had to set it apart from the kind of learning that sometimes kids are used to getting force fed, right? Um, so I enjoyed, I really enjoyed the, the, the process of content creation of just like, thinking about what it might be like my favorite thing in writing a book would be assembling what i think the chapter headings might be right mm -hmm. just like taking it from this massive wide scope to like these six things might be the most interesting things to explore and then just collecting weird ideas and hearing things and tagging things that i've read or seen on the internet or whatever it was and then looking at them later and being like i'm, I'm sure everybody wants to know this it would be really fun if everybody kind of knew this and then working my way through it but at some point um Basically, the publishing industry collapsed with the growth of ebooks and free content on the internet right in the middle of when I was starting to get good with writing, right? So mm -hmm. I had a couple of best selling books. First couple, I got paid a good amount and I was getting royalties twice a year. And I'm like, woo, I'm rich. Like, really enjoying myself. Plus, I was getting paid in America um, in pounds, which at the time the exchange rate was amazing. So I was getting paid almost double, right, what I was doing. So I could live in America on royalties that I could never have lived on in London, for example, uh -huh. right? And that lasted for about two years, right? And then the exchange rates all changed and the publishing companies just started tanking, even really big ones, like the one that I work for, really, really big, very, very old. Um, still there, but just not as much money to invest because book sales just aren't enough to prop it up anymore, right? And they just started... Um, shifting their priorities and they don't invest in like marketing and taking you know, I used to go to the Edinburgh Festival they used to fly me over there and I would speak on stages and I'd get to hang out and see shows and do things and it was super fun right it felt like a celebrity all that kind of stuff now they do that for like three people like JK Rowling and the next two big sellers that year right everybody else you have to do your own marketing on the internet or something and try and sell books so at a certain point I had trouble feeding my family with what I was bringing in um, and I was also being asked to write books again and again that were like the one that sold really well, right? Rather than write something that was new that I was passionate about, like different ideas, let's do something else. They're like, can you do another one on this and just make it like that one? Because that one sold really well, right? Yeah. And, and that was the beginning of the end for me. Once I started doing that, the act of sitting down to write just lost meaning. And I felt like I was cranking it out. And I would literally just set aside time every day to be like, I'll sit down, I'll write a thousand words before breakfast, I'll write a thousand words after lunch. Right, and then, and that's my work day. I'll do that five days a week and I'll take time off. And then I churn out a book and then I did them in a modular way and I'm like, oh, this is how I'm gonna finish the books, right? And I think even though the books did okay, like later on and all that kind of stuff that for me, when I look at them, I'm like, yeah, I can see that degree of like churning it out in those books versus the early ones where you can kind of read the enthusiasm. You can see that I was as effusive about it as probably the reader was in getting into it, right? Um, so for me, I got burned out. I got burned out in writing books. And my solution to that was to jump ship and to do something else, um, to speak, to coach, to um, become a systemic instructor, to try and balance these weird pastimes and try and find my skill set in a way that enabled me to do spend every day in a way that 
brought me some meaning and joy, right? Mm. Um, so that's so that's one solution, right? It's to jump ship and find your passion, right? So that's something that people often throw at us. Like if you feel burned out, it's because your job sucks and you don't really believe in it. So you should find your passion and go and do that. But then you have other people saying that if you do that every time, you might never find your passion and you'll just constantly have these unrealistic expectations of a perfect well, job. Yeah. So you should mediate your expectations and make something your passion, right? Make it, um, yeah. find passion within the thing that you're doing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, because when you were talking about you know, your process for writing books, I wasn't sure what you meant by first two thirds, whether mm. you meant the first two, you know, the first 16 books you wrote mm. or the first two thirds of every book. Because uh, for me, it yeah. was like the first two thirds of every book I've written yeah. was the fun part. Okay. And yeah. then finishing it was a grind. Finishing it was a grind. I was like, yeah. well, I'm, you know, I'm burning out. But, but it, was this, it was the last bit that made the first bit meaningful. Mm, yeah. Ultimately, like I wouldn't if I just said, "Hey, here's a great outline and here's some great lines." Sure, you know, someone else go finish it. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm reading this book. I can't remember the author's name. It's called Ultra Learning. There's, mm. a, there's a, the author's name has a Scott in it. I can't remember. It might be Scott Young. Okay. Um, but he, he looks at research on like what is the best state to be in if you want to learn something like profoundly and quickly, like more like superhumanly. Yeah. And there's two schools of thought. One is sort of the flow, yeah. you know, check sent me high. Yeah. Um, and it's like a lot of people think that that's not the right state to be in to learn, hmm. that you want to be sort of struggling more. Hmm. So there's, you know, there's times when I'm in Sistema or I'm coaching where I'm struggling and it's the opposite of a flow state. Hmm. And I think those like... When you're in flow, it's like, oh, it's there's no need to interpret this. This is like mm, you, know, you found ah. ease already. If I, yeah, yeah. But a lot of what I found value in mm. has been the struggle. Sure. Um, and I think that that requires an attitude towards the struggle that mm. is, you know, positive that puts it into a context. See, that, that's interesting because that makes sense to me. Flow is where you might find peak performance, but not necessarily where where you might find peak learning or improvement. Right, mm -hmm. um, because it, you might l learn something from getting into flow. Do you know what I mean? Like, what did it what did it require for you to find that flow state? But then once you've found it, you're you're kind of performing. You've put, you're putting things on autopilot, and you're in a, you're in a good spot, right? But it's when that flow state gets broken, and you look at why is it that I'm struggling now, right? I was doing quite well against these three attackers until one of them pulled out a stick, right? Mm -hmm. And now the the variables have changed, and I've I've lost my flow. Why is it that I'm scared of the range of the stick or the impact of the stick or just like the prospect of it? Um, why does that change the entire way that I move? And that is the learning moment, right? That takes you beyond being able to move against three people and being able to against move three plus one with a stick, right? Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff. So it makes sense that that learning would happen outside of that flow zone. So on that basis then, right? If we're starting, how do we kind of redirect the train on the path towards burnout? Because surely burnout isn't the ideal place to learn. Like by the time you've gone there intuitively, it's too late, right? If you're already experiencing burnout, you've got to make radical changes in order to get yourself back up the chain. And, it, and I think, interestingly, that's one of the things that Sistema does. I think it forces us to go from feeling uh, competent and feeling comfortable in a class, right? And we'll start with exercises that make you comfortable and make you relaxed, to feeling challenged, like to the edge of just like, well, this is a little bit scary, but I mean, it's exciting and it's kind of fun. I'm grappling, I'm moving, I'm dodging sticks, whatever it's going to be. And then you go beyond the challenge thing to the place where you start making 
aggressive mistakes, right? You start exhibiting signs of psychological tension, of fear, um, and you'll start kind of, you can't calibrate the strikes very well. You'll hit people a little bit harder than you meant to, or you'll be inaccurate, like poke somebody in the eye, right? All these things happen when the person's just out of that. It's not even out of the comfort zone. It's even it's even out of the challenge zone, right? You mm-hmm. start to, they start to get to a place where they can't regulate themselves very well. Now, if you push people beyond that in an individual exercise or drill, you can see the place where they go into like a kind of shutdown, right? And I think we avoid that on purpose in Sistema. Like when you start to see people like they can't handle it, they're, you know, they're, they're just showing signs that they, um, they're not learning anything here, they get into a really bad place. And even when they get really aggressive or really afraid, right, we'll help try and bring them back at least to the place where they feel challenged um, and not let them hang out there. And I think that's part of the reason why it's good practice because it, it helps you to identify when you're kind of feeling a bit stressed and when you're, when you're skipping over stress into kind of like a, a sustained stress response, right? And then you practice bringing yourself back down to comfort and at the end we'll end with massage and psychologically at the end of it all, you're like, woo, that was tough. I got stressed, but I brought myself back. Everybody helped me come back. And now I feel comfortable and socially engaged again. And now I can go out about my life, right? And do those things. So we, we practice bringing ourselves back down that continuum all the time. Um, but I think it's possible to, to practice anything, whether it's um, a profession, whether it's a musical instrument, whether it's uh, a martial art, right? To the point where you get burned out because you do it, like, like you said, with ultra running, like physically you can get burned out in terms of your knees and your ankles and everything like that, right? You can practice at that point, but you can also practice it to the point where maybe if somebody else is driving you, if you have like a tiger mum and you're like an eight-year-old mm-hmm. kid and they're like, you have to get up every morning and swim at 5 a.m. or something, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, kids can experience burnout, well, I'm I, sure, right? Like, I like, experience yeah. that, you know, that, that tension all the time with, with Strava. So Strava okay. is a uh, social network for athletes. Okay. So you, you know, most of us have our, our smartwatches mm. and it automatically uploads what we did. Mm. And we're thinking, like in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, what are people going to think of this workout? I just walked three miles in an hour and a half. And mm. Like what kind of, uh, you know, slacking is that? Mm-hmm. And... And so when you, you you start doing well, and you're like, I was racking up, you know, 60 mile weeks in preparation for my uh, recent 50k. Yeah. And like, I like those numbers. Mm. I like being on top of the leaderboard. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with with enjoying the competition. Sure. You know, but if that's the if that's the purpose, mm. then it it erodes the intrinsics. Mm. And you know, I can I can find myself. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on the leaderboard. Like I remember like. Um, one of my 50Ks was early in the morning on the first of the month. Mm. And so by nine in the morning, I was like in the top hundred of Strava mm. of everybody, like, you know, mm. hundreds of thousands of athletes. Like I mm. was, I was the one on the leaderboard for sure. most miles run. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like, I could see like, I could really like enjoy mm. hanging out there. Yeah. Okay. And that's, I think it's a recipe for burnout mm. because it wasn't connected to any, goals mm. it was it was purely ego gratification so so a through line here then might be the, the constant comparing right the constant comparing of yourself to somebody else is that a path mm. towards burnout like the grass is always greener on the other side if you're if you're ultra running and for a while you're enjoying it and then you get strava and then it becomes like a oh well i felt good that i ran 50 miles but now I don't feel good that i ran 50 miles because the time was shitty compared to x number of other mm. people right so you're your effort becomes less meaningful because of the comparison that you're making with somebody else. So if you stop comparing, 
right? You wouldn't feel bad about it. You would still have that sense of meaning and you could just go and run for yourself, right? And it wouldn't do anything. And it's the same thing true of our work and our training, right? And so in our day job, like when we first, so often when they talk about like the stages of burnout, when you go through, they say, right, when the new person starts a new job or a new thing, right? Um, there's like a honeymoon period where they're super engaged and they're meeting all their colleagues and they're like, this is great. This is so much better than what I was doing before. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm excited to be doing something new. It's a little bit scary because you don't know what's being expected of you. But in that scariness comes a little bit of excitement, right? Kind of, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going to come. So you're like, ooh, this is kind of mildly arousing. I don't know what's going to, I might fail, I might succeed, I'm not sure, right? And you go through that honeymoon period. Um, and then at some point, that's over, right? At some point, genuine stress enters the picture and you start to get feel pressures and urgency that you didn't feel before. And maybe some demands on your time now that the boss is like, yeah, you've been here three months, it's time to start doing some work or whatever <laughs> it is, right? Um, and then you start to exhibit like mild signs of stress, right? So you might... Um, have kind of like agitation, your heart rate might go up, blood pressure periodically, you'll go through kind of peaks and swings during the day, maybe your eating patterns change a little bit, maybe you um, sleep a little bit more sporadically, like nothing terrible, nothing that's dramatically affecting your health, but little signs that all is not comfortable, right, mm -hmm. as you go through. And then the stage after that is kind of chronic stress, right, where you get into every day just looks like it's taking its toll on you, right, you show up for work, you start the day with a high heart rate and high blood pressure and everything goes downhill from there, right? You start the day angry and it doesn't take much to set you off. You start to become a little bit more withdrawn from people. You start to snap at people even more. You're like aggressive by default or defensive by default. You're showing all those signs. And at this stage, stress-related disease starts to creep in, right? Mm -hmm. um, the result of a bunch of small eating choices or of chronic redirection of blood flow away from the stomach means that you've got gut problems, right? Um, the result of chronic tension in your back or your neck means that you have stress-related neck pain or back pain or headaches or something like that, right, the entire time. So those pick up. And then the final stage is full-on burnout. And this is when you don't even want to talk to anybody. You just, you're detached. And you look defeated, right? And you just show up, if you show up at all, to do the bare minimum not to get fired. You're into that kind of office space kind of territory. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you just do enough not to get fired every day, right? And, and you don't really care that much and you've lost all sense of meaning. At this stage, some people will either um, stop doing the thing or they'll be forced to stop doing the thing. They'll get fired or kicked out or something like that, right? And when that happens. So there's a progression there that you can see people come through. And for me, it's really interesting the parallels between that and what we've talked about before in Paul Just's polyvagal theory, right? That mm -hmm. you start with social engagement, you start with feeling um, like the best strategy here to deal with what I'm doing is to recruit friends and like make alliances and be mobile. Like you're mobilized with relaxation, right? In the way yeah. that he would term it, right? You're like, you're happy and you're relaxed and you're moving around, you're doing things. The stage after that is um, a little bit of uh, immobilization, Right, uh, it's sorry, mobilization, but with fear, right, with fear or anxiety. So you're still mobile, you're doing things, but you're avoiding people sometimes, you're jumping at people, you're making, um, right, and that could be making off, office politics. So all of a sudden, sure. it starts to feel flighty or fighty, yeah, exactly, all that kind of stuff. And then you'll go through that into through that and out the other side, you get more mobilization, more fear, right, more anger, and that goes into full on like conflicts with people, you're shouting at people, you're physically fighting with people if you're in a systemic class, maybe, right, or wherever it's going to be, like you start to show signs that you're you're in deeper there and you're fully mobilized by fear, right? And then after that, you go out the other end and it's immobilization with fear, right? It's the idea that you're so anxious or you're so depressed, you've gone all the way through those stages and now the, the body's response, the, the animal response is to just feign death, 
right? right. To play possum and hope everything in the world goes away, right? Um, and just be as small as you possibly can. And then maybe when everything goes away, you can get back up again, right? But by this stage, you're a long way down. So for me, it's really interesting the parallels, not biologically and professionally that these things take. Um, and, I, and I've seen sometimes the same, this, this happen with Sistema. You know, you see people, they start really enthusiastic. Often, and I've talked to other instructors about this, when somebody comes in and they're talking to you right away about like, how long do I have to do this before I become an instructor, right? They haven't even started training yet uh -huh. or something, right? Or they're like, if I train like 12 times a week, am I going to be extra awesome? You know, how long until I get really good at fighting or something like that? And the people who are super keen up front who are like, I'm going to come to every single class and do everything, become an instructor, invariably fall away, right? Sometimes it takes a year. Sometimes it only takes like a few weeks, but they do fall away, right? The people who start ridiculously keen almost never go the distance, yeah. right? It's, it's always the ones that come in like, yeah, this, this seems like it might be okay. Or even the ones who come in resistant, like, I'm not sure this is for me, to end up being the ones that stay, right? The yeah. super keen people always well, burn there's, out. There's right? like a, uh, I think it's a you know, Zen story about the young acolyte. You know the one. The parable about the ma yeah, master. Yeah, you tell it. Yeah, well, the guy, yeah. guy goes to the, the monastery to the master and says, I want to become enlightened. How long will it take me if I meditate four hours a day? He yeah. Says, oh, 10 years. So, uh -huh. Okay, what if I meditate eight hours a day? So, yeah. 20 years. Right, yeah. It keeps going up and up, right? Yeah, it's just like, yeah. If your mind is always on the destination, it's never on where you are, right? And what you're doing. And, yeah, it's... It's not a race, right? Yeah, so so is so to my mind, so in our training, right, for Sistema, so I don't think we have to, as long as we stay true to the principles of Sistema and what it's supposed to be doing, I don't think we have to make a special effort to avoid burnout, right? I think the only way that you can get burned out on Sistema training, and so I see I see some people that get burned out on Sistema training because they come in with the wrong idea and they try and train it the wrong way, right? They're, they're trying to acquire all the skills and all the abilities right now, mm -hmm. and they don't see that that's not what it's about. It's not about adding a bunch of techniques and tricks. It's about exploring and understanding yourself, which takes time, right? right. It, well, I think yeah. you know, we live in a Marvel universe, right? Sure. So everyone yeah. wants to be like, how do, how do I activate my superpower? And sure. oh, look, they, yeah. look at Vlad, look at Glenn. They can do things that I can't yeah. do. And so they want to download it as if yeah. from the matrix or something right. Right, right away. Yeah. So first of all, we can disabuse them of that as much as we can. Then we can help people to get through into the idea of the long haul, right? The second class people that I see dropping out or burning out in Sistema aren't really burning out in Sistema. They're burning out in their wider life, right? They're, they're not enjoying their job. They're not enjoying their circumstance where they are. And Sistema becomes one more symptom of something that they used to do for fun, that they mm -hmm. used to do for social engagement. Um, and it's a, it's like a, a casualty of that wider problem, right? They they haven't really addressed the fact that they don't like what they do, um, or they found themselves burned out in their work, and so they drop that in the same way as they might drop meeting somebody in the pub once a week or some, you know. Yeah, I'm just I'm just I'm, I'm I'm at home. It's yeah. seven o'clock, and I'm just sure. too too damn tired to go out again. Sure. Yeah. So so I see that as well. So and the other route that I see sometimes to people getting burned out in system, and this is this is a little bit rarer, but you do see it is. When they train for, I want to say about five years, there's like a period after about five years um, and they've gone through some swings and roundabouts, you know, they've, they've had some tough periods, they've come back again, they've trained and they've got the idea they're training for the long haul and then something happens and they start a greater frequency of comparisons around that time, right? They're like, mm. I should be better than this by the time mm. I've been training five years, right? And they start comparing themselves to other people and they're like, am I ready to be an instructor yet? You know, and all this kind of stuff. And they start making those big comparisons. And around that time, if they don't satisfy to themselves that they're that much better than other people or they start kind of weighing it up on the 
kind of like per unit cost per unit happy basis you know mm. when they show up for training and if the if they look at that and they don't like the answer to it then sometimes they can drop up drop off at that point it's a bit rarer like often if somebody's been trained that long they'll go through but i've seen a few people do that um and it's kind of disheartening to me because i'm like you didn't have to do that all you had to do was not compare yourself to anybody else and you were on such a good path you know yeah. you could have gone even further and you could have been really really not just been really good at sistema but for yourself like i can see the benefits that it would bring to your life. And it's sad to me when I see people lose the benefits that training give them, right? Because they started comparing themselves in some other way. Right? Yeah, mm. well, that's one, that's one of the blessings of Strava actually, is I can go back and I can look at my runs from when I started. Mm. And like, no matter who beat me today, like, wow, I'm doing so much better, mm. you know, than I, I was. I had, there are objective measures in Sistema. It's hard to feel, to have an objective measure of, wow, I'm so much better. Yeah. Because the better you get, the more challenge mm. you get. Sure. Um, and you only remember things that happened to you this week, right? Recency bias, right? You right. don't remember like, how crap you were three years ago, right? <laughs> so, right. So, um, yeah. Like I, said, I mean, the thread that I'm hearing through this whole thing is about is like social engagement. Yeah. But social engagement seems to be the uh, the preventative and the antidote to burnout. Mm. Whether it's you know people getting burned out at work, it's because other people are taking credit for their ideas or or shutting them down or not appreciating them or not giving them helpful feedback at the right time. Yeah. Um, right. Or in, or in any aspect of our life, that, that, like it's social engagement. It's feeling like we are contributing to something larger than ourselves. Yeah. And we're getting and we're getting that feedback. We are seeing and being seen. Yeah. So does that mean in the way that we approach systemic training, we should we should always kind of rejoice in that, like embrace that, right? We show up and we're not showing up to kind of do our push up in the view of other people, right? And we're not showing up to show other people that we can do takedowns better than them or move better than them or hold yeah. structure or position better than them. It's like you, you're showing up with an awareness of the entire room and everybody in it. And we're all mm -hmm. training, right? It's not like I'm training for myself. It's like we're all training. Yeah. And holding that mindset is, is perhaps critical to finding like meaning and joy in what you're doing right i mean uh, there's there's also of course there's an immense value in working on yourself and that's you know the, the motto of systema is know thyself right that's what you're doing um but one of the unique things that systema does then is that enable you to get to know yourself but in a group context and you can enjoy yourself while you're doing it right you can get to know yourself by meditating but you have to sit still for thousands of hours right, on your own. And I'm sure people get burned out on meditating. I'm 100% yeah. sure that people get burned out on meditating, right? They, they did it and they don't do it anymore, yeah. um, like all the time, right? But this is a group thing, right? This is a group context in which if you don't get lost in the tendency to compare yourself to other people, you can enjoy the fact that other people are growing and so are you, like all the time. Right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the dance of uh, being human is like th this false dichotomy that's either me or the group hmm. right? that I know I get to know myself better in the group. I, I can meditate for a hundred hours and then someone insults me and then I figure out and I, then I learn who I am, hmm. you know, Oh, I wasn't, I'm not peaceful. I'm a jerk. Right. You know? So yeah. And that feeling like you're, 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 you're making yourself better for the group. Yeah. And not just for the group in front of you, but for your family. Like when I train, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this so I can be a better dad, a better role model, yeah. better in my community. You know, yeah. my, my buddy Josh, who I have my business with, one of the things he, he always is like, when he thinks about his Strava runs or his contributions, um, he thinks about the wider world of like ex-fat guys like him. Mm -hmm. um, it's like we're, we're in a tug of war. And mm. some people are right at the precipice of the mud pit. <laughs> 
Hmm. And those of us who've gotten healthy and fit, we might be far, far back in the line. Hmm. But like what we do matters hmm. to others. So even if it's a solo run that no one's seeing, yeah. even if I don't wear a watch and I'm just going out, hmm. like I'm dedicating this to, to a, a better, bigger something. That's great. So you're like leading by example and like pulling everybody in that direction. Yeah, the, the, mm. even the things that I do to, for myself to make myself better have a, a direct positive impact on mm. other people, even if I can't see it. Yeah, great. Yeah, there was one, um, there was one more kind of closing thought on this one, I think. Um, and this stems from a Vladimir's seminar of a few weeks ago, his um, Against Tension seminar which mostly was about the idea of power, generating power and where it comes from, what it does. And there was one point in the seminar, quite simple, like I think it was on the first day, where he just had us doing um, like a couple of push-ups, right? We famously hardly ever did any throughout that entire weekend. Usually it's a lot of push-ups, a lot of standing on your hands, it's a lot of squats, it's a lot of leg raises. But he opened up this seminar with like, you guys, you should be ready to work. You should be poised. You shouldn't have to warm up when you come to do Sistema, right? You should be able to warm yourself up internally and then get to work, right? Um, so we didn't do a lot for the purpose of warming up, but he said, if you do push-ups, right? If you're gonna do some, like you should do them just to the point where you feel powerful, right? That you, you put your fist down, you feel the ground, you relax yourself, you find your structure and then you breathe properly, you lift yourself up and you do this maybe four or five times. And then you're like, yeah, that's it, that's sufficient. I, I've now I get up and I feel weight in my hands. I feel the structure. It's been reinforced by the action of doing the push-up, right? But if you do 50 or 100, uh, you're doing the Jocko Willink like discipline workout, and you have to do 100 dead hang pull-ups before 6 a.m. or something, right? You go past the point where you feel powerful into the point where you feel almost broken, and then you're pushing yourself psychologically into a new place, just trying to crank out the reps. Yeah. Um, and there's some benefit to pushing yourself, pushing your limits and training for yourself sometimes. But if that bit just becomes a habit and you're doing it just to say that you did the 100 pull-ups and that was more than you did the day before or, you know, going through other things. And I got into this a little bit last year. I was like playing around with different physical movements and weird calisthenics and doing levers and inversions and things like that. And I just liked feeling like a monkey and being able to do weird different things, hanging from a bar or like moving in a different way. Um, but it became oddly competitive with myself and I started to develop tendencies of like, I have to be able to do this. I've got to do at least 10 of these today. Otherwise I'm backsliding, right? Mm, yeah. um, and then I realized at some point that at the end of those workouts, I had to do additional work to relax myself. I then had to do like, a, you know, a slow 20 second push up, down 20 seconds back up again to remind myself of what the feeling of weight and power felt like, right? Because I'd got a false idea of what it was in my mind, right? So I guess what I'm saying is that if we strive towards a feeling of strength and power that is based on an idea of like, I'm stronger and more powerful than everybody else, right? Um, or like, I'm progressively better than every single day and I'm comparing my strength either to somebody else or even comparing my strength and my results to me three days ago or a year ago or something. Then even that psychological mindset might be leading us into the, into the wrong place. And maybe the place where power is found the place where you relax into what you can do and you just do enough in order to make yourself feel um, vibrant and mobile and able to deal with what's going on. Maybe that same place where that is found is the place where the meaning in what you're doing is found. And the way to avoid burnout is just to, is to manage yourself a little bit better and be like, I'm not just gonna go all out on this and work 20 hour days for the sake of 
somebody else's money or for the sake of making myself more money or something like that. You'd be like, let's remember why we're in this. Uh, I was in this to learn to play a musical instrument because it brought me joy, not to show other people how many guitar, how many solos I could shred through, right? Um, I got into becoming an entrepreneur because I wanted to do something for a living that I genuinely enjoyed. Like do something for a living, not be richer than I was when I was an employee mm. or be as rich as this other entrepreneur that I found that has a tech startup or something, right? I'm doing it because I wanted to enjoy the eight to 10 hours a day that I'm spending at work, right? As opposed to just wanting to get past it and then go and do leisure stuff, right? Mm. I wanted leisure to be intertwined with what I'm doing for a living. Uh, and that's why I did it. Am I doing that now? Yeah, I am. And if I forget that because the bank balance doesn't look that great, right? then I've really lost something and I'm on the path towards stressing myself out, towards chronic stress, and then eventually towards burnout. And the same thing is true with systema training, right? And so I think we have to bear that in mind in everything that we do so that we don't have these unrealistic expectations uh, or these tendencies towards comparison and tendencies towards a false idea of achievement, right? And getting too latched onto that, which sets us up for disappointment in our like hobbies, in our lives, um, or in systema training. But then also we can use the vehicle of systema training, I think. This, pre- this process of coming in, feeling excited, having a good time, and then in every single class, not quite having a good time, right? <laughs> For at least five minutes to 10 minutes of the whole thing, even if it's while you're just doing the crappy push-up and you enjoy the rest of it, right? Or it might be the, you know, when the knives come out, you're like, I hate it, I can't stand it, or whips, or whatever it's gonna be, the thing that you hate, right? Um, taking yourself through that, through that discomfort, bringing you back, bring yourself back down to social engagement and enjoying yourself and relaxing and then doing that again and again and again as a way of flexing your anti-burnout muscle, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Being yeah. able to kind of go through that. Yeah, it's like, it's like the invitation is to take responsibility for yourself in every moment. Yeah. So like it can feel like, well, I made a decision that now absolves me from responsibility. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I, you know, the die is cast and now I'm just at the, at the whim of, the class or the job mm. or the entrepreneurial contract that I just signed. Yeah. And we can say, well, well you know, I've made my bed now lie in it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, and some, sometimes we have, you know, we have to fulfill commitments. Sure. But not by like letting go of, of our agency in yeah. that moment to say like, I get, to, I, in any given moment, I get to, determine at least partially my experience of the moment. Mm. Excellent. All right. I think we've got a, a trifecta there. So we've got drop the comparisons. We've got lower your expectations. Right? <laughs> um, align with what it, align with your real meaning. The reason why you started doing this thing in the first place, right? Stay aligned with that. Remind yourself of that. Um, and remind yourself that you have agency. You have the choice to not do this every single day, right? right. So if you're choosing to do this, it's, it's a positive choice, right? And as much as not doing it is. Nice. Cool. All right. I think we have. We should start a movement. <laughs> exactly. Thanks, man. Uh, looking forward to talking to you next time. Right on. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Systema, please visit us online at www.ncsystema.com. Mm-hmm.